Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, Dr. Fiona Lovely here, and this is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast, episode 82, The Upgrade. Recently, I had the pure pleasure of interviewing Dr. Luann Brizendine, a woman who is a trailblazer and a maverick, if you will, in medicine and how we look at the female hormones and the female brain. And we had a vigorous conversation recently, which I'm so excited to share with you shortly. But the book is called The Upgrade. It is available April 19th, 2022. Anywhere you buy your books, you can pre-order it if you're listening prior to the 19th. Um, And uh, the subtitle of the book is How the Female Brain Gets Stronger and Better in Midlife and Beyond. Don't you want to know about that? Because, oh my God, I do. (laughs) Anyways, the book is excellent. It is packed full of tidbits and usable little nuggets of information. As you know, from as you listen to the podcast, I love it giving practical, tactical information. Things that we can do right away that are simple and make a big impact on our health. And this book... The Upgrade has no shortage of that. Now, I'm going to introduce Dr. Luann here soon enough, but I thought I would just take a moment to define The Upgrade uh, from the book so that you've got a little bit of context as we go into our conversation. So uh, right from the author's note at the beginning of the book, we have two phases in a woman's midlife. The transition and the upgrade. The transition is, quote, the developmental phase of a woman's life in which the brain and body enter unfamiliar territory as the reproductive phase circuits are finishing their job. This is the phase formerly known as perimenopause. End quote. Now the upgrade, which this entire book is about, is, quote, the wisdom phase that emerges after spending decades in the hormonal war zone, emerging into the most powerful identity phase of a woman's life. This is what was formerly known as menopause or post-menopause, end quote. And this is what this book is about, is looking at what actually happens at midlife and what we have to look forward to. And believe me, I am here all in on this conversation. And to be honest with you, we spoke for an hour and I had a hard time uh, editing this. Uh, So if you're listening and you want to hear the entire interview, and in fact, uh, see it as a video cast that is available on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Dr. Fiona Lovely, one word. And there you can subscribe and get access to uh, private content just for my my patrons, but also the uncut version of this very exquisite and awesome interview. Now, in just a moment, the interview with Dr. Luann and I, but before that, a word from our sponsor. Let me tell you about Athletic Greens. Eating well and taking all the recommended supplements can be just another task for the to-do list. Even if we do our best with eating a healthy diet, many of us could benefit from a nutritional boost. Athletic Greens is an excellent way to get those nutrients in an easy-to-take form. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients like medicinal mushrooms, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogenic herbs for adrenal health, and more. The Green Superfood Blend helps to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet and taste good too. 
We have been taking it daily in our house for a few months now, and we love the convenience of the high-vibe nutrition it gives. As a physician, I love that it has clean-sourced ingredients to help with gut health, immunity, brain health, and cellular function in one easy step. It has replaced many other supplements in that one scoop in our house. Athletic Greens is offering my community a one-year supply of liquid vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase for free. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Fiona Lovely to take advantage of this offer. And now, without further ado, here's the interview. Luann Brizendine, MD, completed her degree in neurobiology at UC Berkeley, graduated from Yale School of Medicine, and did her internship and residency at Harvard Medical School. She has also served on both the faculties at Harvard and University of California at San Francisco. She founded the Women's Mood and Hormone Clinic at UCSF. Her New York Times bestseller, The Female Brain, and its follow-up, The Male Brain, continue to be read around the world. Her eagerly anticipated book, The Upgrade, How the Female Brain Gets Stronger and Better in Midlife and Beyond, is due out April 19th, 2022. So excited. Now, as the Lynn and Mark Benioff, did I say that correctly? Yep. Okay, great. Endowed Professor of Clinical Psychiatry at UCSF, Dr. Brizendine continues to speak, write, research, and consult, and today we have her with us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, well, I uh, would love to start for uh, with a quote that you actually have, um, you start chapter 16 in the book with, and this is a quote from uh, Belinda uh, from the TV show Fleabag. She says, women are born with pain built in. It's our physical destiny, period pains, sore boobs, childbirth. We carry it within ourselves throughout our lives. We have pain on a cycle for years and years and years. And then just when you feel like you're making peace with it all, what happens? The menopause comes. The fucking menopause comes, and it's the most wonderful fucking thing in the world. Yes, your entire pelvic floor crumbles, and you get fucking hot, and no one cares. But then you're free. You're just a person. Yes! <laughs> it I love it. I love it. So to <laughs> me, I hear this quote and I go, oh, first of all, this is the first time I'd actually had seen this quote. So thank you for putting it in here. But it kind of encapsulates the experience of being a woman, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's. Uh, and I, I think I want... it encapsulates the whole the whole thing about the upgrade too, because it's like I think younger women they feel like, oh God, you know, life's over when you hit the menopause, and it's got such a bad connotation. The word menopause—that's why I don't use the menopause word in the book. You know, it's like it's you know, but and you don't realize until you're on the other side of it, Fiona, which you're going to jump roll. You will be there soon, darling. We yes. ladies on the other side of that are going, Yahoo, babe! This, this is a real upgrade. So it's very yes, it's a very very powerful time of life to, to be free of the cycle and all of those ups and downs jerking you around your brain around in the, in the hormones of the menstrual cycle. Yes. And this is the conversation. When I started, when I was reading the early chapters, I was thinking, this is the conversation that we need to have that nobody's yet willing to have until you, which is, what we have to look forward to, because we're too busy mourning the loss of what we perceive as our productive, beautiful, happy, juicy, sexy time. But in fact, there's so much more that happens afterwards. There is so much more. And yes. It's so much more. And it's such a, it's an amazing kind of secret world. You kind of, it's like Alice in Wonderland. You, look, you walk through the looking glass in a way that you don't anticipate. And I think it's a typical psychological thing for all of us, all of our lives is to always, we're always mourning. We're always mourning the stuff that we did or did, that we didn't do. You know, it's like we have this thing where we're kind of mourning the past. We're mourning what we're losing. We're mourning, mourning like stuff. But actually, but we're not 
looking forward enough to what, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, the bright things that are upcoming. So that's why I wrote this book, is I wanted women to have, to take heart, take heart, women, have courage, because, you know, the good stuff is coming. And there's, you know, that thing called the positivity effect, Fiona, is where the studies that have been done for years and years and years, that they don't really understand why, but each decade of our life, we get happier and happier. The happiness quotient goes up, and they've done it all the way into the 90s. So, you know, get ready, ladies. I love this. And I really think it's because, um, here's what will change it. It's the wise ones like you, like me, stepping forward and saying, no, 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 no. Life is not ending. Life is just starting. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that also I wanted to put a hand back down to our younger sisters you know, and pull them up and pull them through because, you know, I'm not, I'm not being totally Pollyannish in this book. I, I mean, I want to, but no. there is a lot of dark stuff that happens in the perimenopause and there's some really hard days and things to get through. So we want to acknowledge those. And in this book, I give people a lot of tricks and things to help themselves get through in the best shape possible to get into the upgrade. Oh, boy, do you. Each chapter is just packed with information, which I love. I I want to uh, cobble together a quote from you from the author's note just to kind of set a tone here for us. Formerly known as menopause, the upgrade is the phase of life we emerge into when we exit the hormonal war zone, finally able to see and be present to who we are, what we want, and how we want to live. It's a glorious time full of freedom and discovery. So much of what feels natural and normal to us when you look closely is soft-wired into us by hormones and environment. Some of it is great and helpful, but we receive so many messages about our supposed irrelevance in the second half of life that I've decided it's time to punch through. Heck yes! And finally, so let's start the conversation that no one seems to want to have about life after the fertile phase. I love it. I love it. Right on, yes. (laughs) You speak about hormones like you use a water metaphor on on the shore. And I'd love for you to just kind of give us a little overview there for the listeners. Yeah, so you're you're probably thinking about I guess chapter chapter two and where where the if you think about how okay let's first of all say that the metaphor for the the, the tide coming in and the tide going out you know and it's based on the moon remember the pull the gravitational pull of the moon is a tide going in and out and the menstrual cycle is also a monthly thing the moon pulling in and pulling out but. It's, it's even more than that in terms of really actually biologically and structurally in the brain because as the estrogen flows up in that first week, two weeks of the menstrual cycle, all kinds of changes are happening in the connections in the brain. You know, up to 25% changes in certain areas that have to do with your, your memory and what you pay attention to. And, you know, remember those few days before ovulation, I say, I say, Mother Nature, she made it so that you would have more sex drive, you would be more flirtatious, you would be more verbal, all the, you know, that is the flow of estrogen going up. And then as that tide drops after ovulation, if you do or don't get pregnant, whatever happens, then you are in a different phase where, you know, so it's like the, the tide is going out then and pulling all kinds of things for connections in the brain out in a different direction. And that's the reality of the way we go through all of those years of our fertility cycle is with this ebb and flow of the tide in our brains. I just don't think most of us realize how that up and down of our moods in particular is because of those hormone fluxes, the ingress, the egress every month. Absolutely. And I think that if people understand just one thing, that the purpose of a hormone, right, the purpose of a hormone is to give a behavior, to cause a behavior. For example, the purpose of the hunger hormones are to cause us to eat. The purpose of the sex hormones are to have us have sex. The purpose of the, you know, the estrogen going up during, right before and peaking before 
The ovulation is to make us be flirtatious and try and attract the male so we can get pregnant. I mean, these are things that are, you know, they go on under the hood, so to speak. They're under the hood. We don't, we don't feel them every moment of the day, but when we step back and look at them, we realize that's what's happening. Oh, it's amazing, really. I recently had an experience where um, always one to try and experiment with my own body so that I can share my experience with my patients and my podcast community. Um, recently took uh, a, a cyclic course of progesterone to see what would happen. <laughs> you poor thing, Fiona. <laughs> I, it was before I read this. <laughs> I have not been angry, pissed off, upset, um, nitpicky like that, I think, for, for 20 years. Like, I just had... And what it helped, it took me a while to figure out what was happening. I thought I was, I, I don't know, I figured it was a, oh, I miss my family on Christmas or, you know, whatever. Um, but I realize now that I felt a lot of that way when I was busy in regular fertile period, you know. You know, these are neurochemicals. And so <laughs> I got, oh boy, I got new material for my blog, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Yeah, the irritability and the anger and that all kind of stuff. So, so if so, what I tell women in the you know in the perimenopause, progesterone, progesterone is this you know it's an incredibly interesting, and so all the kinds of other things, and also it kind of makes you so the last two weeks of our cycle, the two weeks before we start bleeding, is when the progesterone gets to peak out and be highest, and it tends to when it's very high, whatever, it makes us want to you know, lounge around the house and eat more carbs and sleep more, just kind of be a lot lazier than we usually are, you know, it increases the laziness. But then at that, that two or three days before the bleeding starts, their, your natural progesterone, it just drops like a rock. And remember that progesterone in the brain acts like Valium. It is the Valium in the brain because it hits the same receptors in our brain. It's kind of the natural value in the brain. So it makes you quiet, you know, mellow, whatever. But when it drops like that, you're like in Valium withdrawal and you are like a cat, your fingernails on the chalkboard. It makes you irritable. It makes every little thing like, you know, you are, you, you're going to snap the guy's head off if he looks at you wrong, you know, or we called it in my clinic, the crying over dog food commercials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could burst into tears for anything. So the, the emotionality of what's called dropping or changing progesterone after it's been high is is really quite quite a lot. So people and that happens all the time in weird kind of ways during the, the perimenopause, the buildup in those the buildup to going through the transition. It's the transition is an up and down, up and down of both progesterone and estrogen. Some months you don't have any progesterone at all because you don't ovulate. And some months, you know, you have way too much. So you get what you experimented with yourself, Fiona, during over the Christmas holidays with your progesterone. You, you, you did it. So you, so you, because you were taking it, you knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And so the progesterone is something we used to call it. In my, it's called psychiatric poison in some circles. It's called progesterone. Is the, the P stands for psychiatric poison because it really messes up your mood sometimes when it drops and goes up and down. So... Treat it with great respect. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I have a much different opinion of it now. <laughs> but you you bring up a really good point. Let's let's define these terms of transition and upgrade, please, for the listeners. So um, the transition phases, all those years that you probably start, you, we probably start our transition about between ages 37 and 39 in a very a way that's not even noticeable. So that's kind of the very, because that's when all of the follicles in your ovary start to really rapidly decrease. And as you know, that's the, your fertility part of uh, fertility uh, clinics know that really well. So by about 42, 43, 44, most women, uh, the egg supply has gone down a lot, which basically, remember the egg is surrounded by the follicle that makes all the estrogen and progesterone. So as the follicles get used up, you're not going to have any hormone, you're not going to have any estrogen and progesterone. But some months, all of a sudden, remember the pituitary is up there like the conductor of all of your symphony of your hormone glands in your body. But if he doesn't hear enough estrogen coming out of the ovary, it starts screaming at the ovary to make more 
and sometimes there will be a big, huge burst of estrogen coming out as a response to the pituitary yelling at the ovary, and then, of course, it dies down again. So that transition is when that's going on. This miscommunication, that's this screaming, yelling, and not producing kind of thing between the pituitary and the ovary, because the follicles are our eggs are our egg supply is going is going south very quickly. Our egg supply. Remember, we're born with certain number of eggs, and by the time we're you know, between 42, 45, most of our egg supply is gone, and along with it, our hormones. So that is the transition. The transition is as those follicles, the very last few of them are being used up, and the whole hormone, uh, you know, the waves of the hormones are starting to die down. Sometimes, though, you're getting these huge spikes and drops, so can be quite a moody, irritable time. Like PMS all the time, it's kind of like, that's why they call perimenopause, the puberty in reverse. Remember puberty in reverse? But oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I call it the transition because I think that it do, it says what it really is, is the transition. Because uh, perimenopause is a weird word. It's like, you know, so, it, so it's really the transition between the fertility cycle and the upgrade, which is where you don't have the cycle anymore. So that's why the transition into the upgrade where you don't have the cycle anymore, jerking your brain around. Oh, I love it. So tell me, as a woman who is still very much in the transition, (laughs) talking to a woman who has done her upgrade, what do I have to look forward to? Well, first of all, you don't have to walk down that aisle in the grocery store anymore. No I paid bad. enough. I paid enough pink tax, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. The pink tax. No more tampons. No more whatever. Right. No more of those like huge bleeding episodes. I talk about those in the book. A lot of us. I mean, I had a lot of that flooding, and you know, a super tampons plus two pads, and maybe an extra two pairs of underwear. I don't know what it was. No white pants. Forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that that phase that we a lot of us go through. But so that is you. You're not dealing with that anymore. That's 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 funny, but it's, it's it is true. Sometimes I feel like, oh yeah, that aisle. I remember that aisle in the old days. <laughs> that's gone. That's, that aisle is going to go down. You know, you're not having the you're not having to not know when you're going to bleed or flood all over. You're not knowing all of those the uncertainties of all of that, and then your your mood, your mood isn't being jerked around so much. Um, you know, and your irritability. The, I found that the irritability, a lot of women would come into my clinic, it wasn't only the irritability, they would say, Dr. Brizendine, you know, I, I have, if, I didn't have, if I didn't have a husband and a couple of kids, I feel the joy has gone out of my life. I just feel like the, this darkness, I just feel, I just feel like if I didn't have them, I just, I wouldn't want to live like this forever. You know, so they get very dark, you know, I, you know it's a very dark period sometimes. I'm just feeling joyless and flat during that transition time. So mm-hmm. what you had to look forward to is, is all of a sudden that veil gets lifted and it's like you're Alice in the, in the looking glass. You walk mm-hmm. through like into a whole new world where all of a sudden the joy comes back in your life and you also feel such a sense of like, wow, I just like, I, I get to go back to finding my authentic self. I get to go back to finding who I really am and I live in the live inside of like my authenticity. Mm, I love this. You know, one of the things I I came away with after my little progesterone experiment was just how much my moods had leveled out. I didn't realize it until it wasn't there anymore. So I think for so long, we've been so focused on the symptomatology of perimenopause, which is really, a, it's a medical term. It makes sense to you and I, because we understand the language. But we've, we've spent so much time focused on that symptomatology, but nobody's talking about, well, what happens when the symptoms are gone? Am I going to be have vaginal dryness for the rest of my life? Am I going to have insomnia for the rest of my life? Like nobody talks about the resolution, what happens next, and this does it. This does it. Thank you. That's why it's called the upgrade, because you know you go back to you know being being you know able to get good night's sleep. You go able to be able to wake up in the morning refreshed and be able to think. You get to be able to like uh, you know look at the next section of your life and kind of feel that you have your power power back again, and to be able to speak speak your mind. There's a thing about the fertility hormones that too. You know we're talking about how that. The, the behavior thing where you get more flirtatious and you get like like you know you're getting that stuff before ovulation. There's a there are 
there are hormonal situations in our brain during our fertile years, which makes us kind of eat our words a bit. We, we don't want, we're conflict avoidant. We're, we want to be pleasers. We want to be pleasers. <clears throat> we don't want to have, oh, heaven forbid anybody's mad at us, right? Yes. Oh, heaven forbid, you know, you know, it's just like you feel, you know, and, and in the upgrade, you feel like, well, you don't give any Fs anymore. You know, it's like, it's not like you're mean or anything, or you're not, it's like that you are just able to speak your truth. Oh, I love that. You know, when I started the podcast, which, um, you know, I started in 2016 and I did it because I was so busy in the practice. I didn't have time to go out and do the lectures on women's health that I had done for years and which were called Not Your Mother's Menopause. And so that's where that had come from. I was thinking, you know, it needs to be about, okay, what's happening to adrenals? What's happening to your thyroid? What's happening with the ovaries and the uterus? And I was more pieces and parts, you know, and the early episodes, I talk about that, but it started to evolve pretty fast. And probably as I evolved into my own transition, which is that I could feel it was far more a spiritual transition for women, um, where it was more about, I, I want to look for my own gaze instead of pleasing other people. And I could see, I mean, it's not too big of a stretch to see that that is reproductive hormone based. I mean, that's kind of how it works. That's, that's our job biologically. Should we choose to accept that job, right? And um, this is the kind of conversation, this is what I love about your book, is that it's the conversation about um, what the best is yet to come. It really is, which is actually just the last podcast episode I recorded, which is very much inspired by reading this book. <laughs> all right. Thank yeah. you, Fiona. I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope your, hope your audience likes all these. It's like so important for all of us. They're going to love it. They're going to love it because it's such an important read. So I love what you said. I've just got, I'm looking at my notes here. You call menopause as the upgrade, the wisdom phase. Absolutely. And you know, Many cultures really revere their elders, and you know it's not our culture. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of, it's we're youth obsessed, right? We're fertility age obsessed, and then that's why it's almost like um, there's this whole thing about just ignoring women after the fertility phase, basically, right? We're just like thrown on the garbage heap of life because you've done your job and you're you're done, right? Well, not, not, not so fast, right? Not so fast, not so fast. I mean, the, the reality is our, our, our experience, strength, and hope as a woman who's passed through the transition and gone into the upgrade, our experience, strength, and hope are something that we need to provide to our younger sisters. Yes. Oh, amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> Um, I think it's the Dalai Lama himself who said that the world will be changed by the Western woman. Have you heard that? Yes. I mean, I do know that in the, in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, there are, um, that, that there's so much revering of the female loving kindness and the, the, the female ability to read emotions in others. Mm -hmm. and to express compassion and empathy and loving kindness. So I think that I know as I've gotten older, I've tuned into that part of my heart and that part of me, the part of my heart that communicates with my brain in a way I, I wasn't really um, as conscious of when I was younger. It wasn't sort of front and center, but it has become front and center with every passing year. So you are you just touched on something that that heart brain coherence thing here, which um, you know I have some uh, understanding of how the HeartMath Institute works and this heart brain coherence and I it's very much my hope that these sorts of um, energetic connections are being taught to our healthcare providers as regular course. Instead of us weirdos out here going, oh, what's that? They didn't teach us about that. We got to go learn ourselves. I hope that that's part of embracing the, the loving kindness and the understanding that we are all one uh, and we share an experience and we're not separate from each other. So 
Absolutely. And I, I try in different parts of the book, there's a lot, there's a lot about that. Oh, good. Fantastic. That must be in the last, like, there's probably two chapters I haven't read yet. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're getting to them. And I think that, that what happens is, you know, we, the, the, the part about, so the gut, gut health and heart health and other parts of the way the body and mind communicate with each other. There's a whole section of the brain. <clears throat> this whole job is to pay attention to what signals are coming from the body. And we, it's the vagus nerve system, mostly. And I know that you know a lot about that, Fiona. That's probably based on a lot of the work you do in your practice all the time. So <clears throat> that being able to tune into that kind of vagus nerve system by the way that we breathe. And I talk about the nine round breathing and I talk about some techniques in the book about ways you can actually, you know, increase the vagal sensitivity in your body for your heart and your gut. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very calming. So there's a ways in which to calm the heart and the gut can, and the breathing can calm your brain down. And there's this communication that you can increase. And I think it's easier once the, the fertility cycle is gone. Once you go into the upgrade, it's easier <clears throat> to have that happen. But of course, you, could, you can certainly do it at any age. But the vagus communication with the brain that brings all that information from your gut <clears throat> and even the microbiome stuff that I know that you probably work a lot with, the heart and also the breath, those parts can really start to have your heart and the feeling tone in your body communicate back and forth with your brain more and more. Do you think, or has it been your experience, that it's easier to tap into instinct and intuition since the uh, cacophony <laughs> fertile, fertility hormones is, has reduced? Yes, I, I think that one of the things that's just kind of a basic principle, if you're not feeling miserable, <laughs> you know, if you're not in one of those phases of misery of the menstrual cycle or whatever, or the progesterone cycle, whatever it is, your hormones upping or downing or you know, you are able to be more level and you're able to listen to your own self. I find that, you know, that, that, that being able to go back to being, in, in order to be your authentic self, you have to have the patience and pause mm -hmm. to listen to, to your heart-mind connection and to check out what, what you think is the right next thing to do. Just take the right next step. Is a, is a phrase that I like to use, like learning to just take the right next step by like tuning in to, your, to how your heart is communicating with your brain. You can do that better with more, with more patience that comes from not having yourself jerked around by the menstrual cycle. Yeah, okay. Uh, I do talk about the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve system a lot. It's, um, I love that it's sexy right now. <laughs> it's not just a place in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. It is, it is sexy. It is the vagus, vagus nerve is your best friend. Yes, it can be your enemy. You got to make, you got to keep it. You got to keep it so that your best Absolutely. friend. And I talk a lot about in different ways of the book to kind of like, I call them, I call them body and, and brain hacks. The brain hacks, the body hacks. You know, have a lot to do with how you are getting your vagus nerve to be your best friend. Oh yeah. Now, on page forty-four. You, because we're talking about brain stuff, I love this. Okay, now, legitimate brain geek here. My podcast listeners know that. And you say here on page 44, yet it's the brain that is center stage during the transition and the upgrade. It's entirely the brain. Please, let's discuss. Yes, it is. I mean, remember, the hormones that are coming from the other parts of the body. Think about just, let's do hunger. Is this a different, the, the hormones that are coming from the gut telling you that you're hungry. You know, your high stomach growls, and it's like, but it's your brain that makes you say, oh, I'm going to go for that sandwich in the refrigerator. You know, I'm, you know, it's your brain that tells you what to do, right? It may be hormones in different parts of your body, but it's your brain that decides to do a behavior. If you're having your libido, your sex hormones are going up and you're deciding you want to have sex, it's like, or you want an orgasm, you're going like, ah, I should go for that vibrator in the closet, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's when your hormones are changing, they're, they're pinging, pinging, pinging your brain to make it want to do something. And so that's what's happening also with the hormones during the transition. It's pinging your brain to be in a a hormonal behavioral state that's going to make your brain want to do something or not do something. I love it. I love it. 
Well, and I think, um, again, it's my, it's my perception that what happens for women at this point is so much brain-based. It's about how we think about it. You know, I talk about the two Ps of perimenopause, two Ps of the transition, which my alliteration is going to go to hell in a handbasket thanks to that. <laughs> but I used to say the two Ps of perimenopause are the pharmaceuticals and the programming. And there's the pharmaceutical cocktail that's pretty standard. You know, there's the antidepressant, anti-anxiety, blood pressure medication, PPI and sleep meds, I think, is the last one. I might have forgotten one in there. But and then the programming is what have the women that have come before us taught us about what happens to our to us at this point in our lives? And that programming becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy because we think, well, we can only be dried up old hags, which is the term, of course, that the uh peri uh the um the Premarin makers used to market their uh, product back in the 40s, I believe. So this is the, I think, the importance of, of women like us having this conversation, saying, no, 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 no. That's what we used to think. There was just nothing that happened after this. But now we're changing the conversation. And let's let's pull back the curtain and uh, let's let's see what is actually possible. So thank God for you for speaking up in such a public way and sharing your experience as a woman, having gone through the transition and the upgrade, but also helping so many women in your practice do the same. Thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure and it's my honor to be able to, to do this work, actually. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think practicing women's health is a great honor, too. It's like touching the goddess every day. It really is. Absolutely. It really is. Absolutely. I, before I ask you about the your first book that you wrote, I just want to tell you and, and just bring up the tent of me discussion. I love this part of the book. It's so beautiful. And again, it's that spiritual transition, which is who am I going to be if I'm not reproducing or I'm not so-and-so's mom or, you know, the one that takes care of all the kids stuff. Now the kids are gone. Now what, right? What am I going to do when I don't want to be doing the work I'm doing anymore? It, even in me, it brought up a lot of feelings that I had that I didn't even know to put words to, you know? So um, thank you for starting that conversation. You're welcome. It's very important because the think about it and it's like amazing. Wow. If you hit, when you hit 50, Fiona, you got another 50 years. Holy crap. We're only halfway through our halfway through our life. I mean, it's like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, I've got a whole life to live over again. Or or a whole new one, a whole new one to push the button to. Which which road, which pathway do I want to take? It's kind of exciting, like, ooh, it's like a poi poo platter at the it's like, okay, which little delicacy do I want to try taste next? Oh, I love that. I am going to write that down, what you've just said, and stick it to my wall. <laughs> so every moment I'm in the muck, I'll go, oh, Dr. Luann said. <laughs> it's like a platter. You get to pick a delicacy. Yes, that's what, I, that's what needs to go on our vision boards. <laughs> exactly. Which delicacy will I have this week or this month or this year even, right? Yes, it's very true. Well, I want to ask you, and, and as I said to you before we started um, talking here, um, I have been a legit fan of yours since your first book, which I've got my copy of. Okay, so tell me, what year did this book come out? 2006. Okay, this is the, uh, the book's called The Female Brain. This book was controversial. I remember reading it and thinking, wow, nobody has broken it out quite like this. I wonder, I, I wonder what's happening to the author. So fill us in. I had a firing squad aiming at me, Fiona. It was really amazing because, you know, remember, I, I was in college during the feminist movement and whatever, and everything was mandatory unisex. Like, if you said that women were different than men, you hit the firing squad, I'll tell you, because if you said women were any different in any way than men, if women had a different orgasm than men, if had a different whatever capability in any possible way than men, you were saying women couldn't do the same things as men and shouldn't be paid the same. Remember, it was the equal pay for equal rights movement that never has passed, of course. Here, we're still trying to get the last state here and do that one. At any rate, hopefully, you never know. Anyway, that was what was going on then. And so it was so then, of course, when I did this book, I mean, and so I also felt like, oh, of course, women are more 
depressed than men, two to time, two to one depression over, you know, over men because it's a patriarchy that's keeping us down, it's sexism, it's all that, which actually all that is also true culturally. But so let's just review very briefly that at the moment of conception, if the sperm is carrying an X chromosome, the baby will be the fetus will be XX. If it's carrying a Y, the fetus will be XY and male. So that little Y chromosome in the sperm that makes the male at conception within eight weeks, the tiny testicles in the male fetus start pumping out huge amounts of testosterone and marinates the brain and body of the male to turning into male. So by the time the baby's born, it either has all the male genitals and the male brain, or if not testosterone, it's us, it's the XX, we're female. And of course, society, you know, all of our culturation and things play on you know, the epigenetics, every way in which our brain develops. So it's at least, you know, half that. But the reality is, is that it didn't seem controversial to me to say like, uh, yeah, we're different because um, in development, the hormones make us really different. By the time we pop out, we have a whole lot of different machinery going on in our brain and body. And, and you know, when you develop along typical, you know, uh, dimensions of that. So, and so they didn't seem very controversial to me, but oh my God, it was like, oh, how can you say there's any difference in the male and female? But so to be clear, the male and female brain are more alike than different. After all, we are the same species. We got it, ladies. And the upgrade is, upgrade is where you're going to like take, oh. your full, take your full power, come into your full power. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. Can I press fast forward? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and isn't that fun to think about, thinking about it that way instead of going, oh, my God, what's coming next? Is it another tsunami bleed? Am I going to sleep for the next three days? Is it, you know, whatever. But Yeah, I talk about that, you know, in a few of the chapters because, like, you know, I go through my own story about having had all this heavy bleeding and fibroids yes. and stuff. and. I ended up with a hysterectomy in my early 50s, but in a lot, you know, a lot of women do that too. But at any rate, by the way, Fiona, that means I don't have to take progesterone. Dot 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 dot. Anyway, that didn't that 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 did not that did not escape me. I was, you know, I might well be honest. I was thinking all these women are going to want to, you know, get, you know, they're done with that part. Let's like take it. Anyway, no, yeah. it meant no progesterone because if you don't have a uterus after, even if you take estrogen, and I think having women think about taking estrogen in the perimenopause, in the transition up through the upgrade, if you have a family history of Alzheimer's or you have a family history of dementia mm -hmm. or, or any kind of, you are really, really um, potentially very protected to some degree. I mean, you want to try and think of everything you can do to protect your brain. And one of the things you can do is to take HRT. Yes. That's a very and, controversial statement, but taking HRT is not so much now because the studies are all coming out. You know, I go through that in the book too. How yes, they, you they, do. They, they abandoned us 20 years ago mm -hmm. when the Women's Health Initiative came out. Initiative, and yep. They just ripped every woman in the country off. And um, it now women have been more susceptible to osteoporosis and Alzheimer's. I'm sure you're seeing that in your practice too. Yes. Yes, I am. And I, I was really glad to see the, the robustness with which you address that, the Women's Health Initiative and the come back from that and saying, well, you know, we kind of got it wrong here. And in fact, you were brave enough in this very time to say, um, can you slap a, a, an estrogen patch on me before you roll me out of the operating room? I got mine put on in the recovery room after my hysterectomy. They put it on before I even woke up. They, I said, I want my, one of my girlfriends was an OBGYN. She says, yeah, we'll get you the patch. We'll get you the patch. So I have the patch twice a week now every, ever since then. So whatever, no problems. It's like I, I use the patch because um, whatever. It's just like it doesn't get into your liver so much when you don't take an oral one but so it's very much much easier and you have less troubles with any of the some of the side effects like you know they have you know the stroke and various things that mm -hmm. were caused by the pills so i just wanted to let your your re listeners know there's stuff out there for you and i know a lot of doctors are not willing to talk with you about this stuff they just say no it's like you know it's still too controversial but the doctors who are up on the latest research Yes, like you, Fiona, are are very clear that this is something that is um, something women need to do for themselves. 
Yes, yes. Well, I think um, there's been a there's a bias against estrogen for sure. That's been you know a reaction. Uh, we see that even in the research, although that's turning around. Thankfully, we now have women directing the research on a much bigger scale and looking at brain health, bone health, heart health for sure as we age. And um, I'm grateful for that change around, you know. And um, I I love the point that you make about. If you're going to do HT or HRT as with estrogen, make sure you're doing it closer to the transition than farther into the upgrade. Can you talk about that a little bit? So, you know, from a lot of the research that's been done, if you wait until you haven't had your period at all for four or five years, the, those all those connections in your brain that estrogen was supporting have started to... to um, to atrophy, you know, and so lots of them aren't available to robustly continue to function as well. And they think that that may be one of the reasons why women have more Alzheimer's, that it's at this transition mm -hmm. time between ages of 45 and 55, you know, how it goes differently for different women, but that's the, the main block in there, that, that women um, should not wait until the, all, all the estrogen has been gone because then when you come back in with it, there's nothing for it to act up on. You mm -hmm. have to do it before you actually start to lose your estrogen. So a lot of times we'll just add a little bit of estrogen. A lot of women that start to have a real, real ratty period and just like up and down all over the place, heavy bleeding, during that last stage will be put on um, continuous um, oral contraceptives, birth control pill during that time just to keep enough estrogen and progesterone in there in the system um, to to level out your period from not having the heavy bleeding and all the that goes along with that. So that is some estrogen supply there that you can get and then adding a little bit more estrogen at the end until you tell you go through the transition. So that's a that's a th that's a time when you need to work with your doctor kind of closely mm -hmm. because as you know if you know there's there are ways in which to gradually take women off of their birth control pill as the transition happens and get them onto their estrogen. And that's kind of a handoff that's not, not so simple for a lot of women. And a lot of this, you have to find the right doctor that will help you uh, through that. Because a lot of doctors, they just, they, they honestly, they just don't want to deal with us. Uh, two things I want to say in just response to what you've just said. You did say in the book that HRT or HT, as you're uh, proposing we call it, because it's not replacing anything, right, um, is that uh, it's much less strong than the amount of hormones that are in the birth control pill. Did I get that correctly? Yeah, the ones, the ones in the hormone therapy that you start on after you're finished with the period are about one-fifth one fifth the dose Okay. So the things in the birth control pill you, on average. So that, you know, you've got to take that into account. So we usually start women, as soon as they get off the birth control, we start them on the highest dose possible for a, a brief period of time, and then we can put them down to whatever level they have. But the reason, Fiona, that has a lot of that doctors are retiring that have done this is because they were trained in the days before 2002 when the, when the Women's Health Initiative yes. came out. Ah. Only remember, and nowadays, if you look at the medical schools, they're only 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 twenty percent of the medical schools are teaching doctors anything about hormone therapy. Wow. It's not even one not even one lecture often. It's like well, it's, it's like disappeared from the medical education. And so you're teaching your students these principles, yes? I am teaching my students, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are interested. They're younger, so they're interested in PMS, and they're interested in, you know, postpartum depression and the things that we treat that are related to fertility years. And so as they get a little bit older and they start their own, their own transition stage in their early 40s, then they get interested in this, this stage of kind of the, the transition and the upgrade time. And, uh, yeah, so they're, they're learning about that for themselves, and they're like, like you, they're just experimenting a little bit with the progesterone and the estrogen, seeing how it makes them feel. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you can now you can choose your dose. You're not your own ovaries; they're not making it anymore. So you can choose what dose feels good for you. I mean, I uh, you know I ended up going way too low on the estrogen dosage of the patch that I had for a while, and then I have come back up to a level and, and experimented with what level is good for me. So that you you need to kind of do a little, little have a doctor who can transition with you a bit and that's what what's the most important at this point Fiona for, for okay yeah okay well I know in my area here it's really only you can if you've got a functional medicine trained 
MD or nurse practitioner. That's about the only place you can get hormones done, hormone therapy done properly. Now it's different, different jurisdictions, who can prescribe, who cannot, but it's really interesting to me. And of course, because of that, it becomes very cost prohibitive for a lot of women. They can't afford that. Most doctors either won't look at it or haven't taken the time to learn how to do the uh, HRT for that midlife and beyond. So let's hope with this conversation we're opening more doors and more demand is there and the doctors will say, let's get the training. I hope this book will do you know, what the female brain did the years ago. It started. I hope that this book, The Upgrade, will start a new conversation for a lot of doctors, especially functional medicine doctors like yourself, who can start educating. You know, it's where patients decide to, to vote by going with their feet. Oh, yeah. you know, so it's actually all of your listeners that are going to help us change this back to something that's healthy for your brain as we go through these next decades of life because if there's something that you can do to increase your cognition and not not end up with dementia you know you really you know you take you have to take it seriously now for prevention it should be part of your prevention like if you have high cholesterol you take Lipitor if you've got family history of heart disease that's what you're doing you're taking stuff for your heart if you've got a family history of dementia then you should be taking estrogen at this at this stage, you know. So it should be prevention. Yes, I love it. And unfortunately, prevention gets missed a lot in 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 the medical model, doesn't it? The book is called The Upgrade by Dr. Luann Brizendine. It has been a pleasure beyond words for me to speak with you today. As a true fan of your body of work, I thank you. For all the women that listen to the podcast, to listen to you speak and all of your interviews and your beautiful books, I thank you for your dedication to the feminine on this planet. Thank you for having me, and I just want to do a big shout out to all of your listeners about, I'm just so behind you in your own upgrade. I just, uh, you know, I want the best for all of you. Thank you, Dr. Luann Brizendine, for the pleasure of spending time with you and for certainly for writing this extraordinary book, which I really believe is going to change the conversation for women about our purpose and our, I hate to say it this way, but our usefulness after we are done our reproduction, because this is how society can sometimes lay its um, beliefs about us as women at a certain age. So I am here for it. I am 100% here for it. I love this conversation. I hope you, my lovely and loyal listener, enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed participating in it and delivering it to you. The book is called The Upgrade. It's available this week. Uh, April 19th, 2022 is its release date. Uh, Please go and do yourself a favor and read this book. It's extraordinary. And the entire interview is available on the Patreon page uh, in a video cast form. So you get to see our lovely faces. And that is www.patreon.com slash Dr. Fiona Lovely, one word. Until next time, take care of yourself and be well. Thanks for listening.